Hello and welcome to this episode of the Daily Walk Heaven Words podcast. I'm Father Stanislaw and I'm so glad that I have the opportunity to share with you the word that we received on this beautiful Sunday of the Holy Family of Joseph, Mary and Jesus. Let's open our hearts and our minds so that we can indeed receive the word and um, let's bow our head and pray. Let us pray. O oh God, who will please to give us the shining example of the Holy Family, graciously grant that we may imitate them in practicing the virtues of family life and in the bonds of charity, and so in the joy of your house, delight one day in eternal rewards. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When the Magi had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and, and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod that what the Lord had said through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod had died, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. He rose, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go back there. And because he had been warned in a dream, he departed for the region of Galilee. He went and dwelt in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. The Gospel of the Lord. We take a, another step in our journey during this Christmas season, and even though out there a lot of people already put the Christmas tree out turn the decorations off and uh, store them and get ready for the next one. We take our time. We continue to keep our eyes on the manger, on the nativity scene, and continue to meditate on what God has done, is doing, and will continue to do for us. And we rejoice today because we have an opportunity to zoom a little bit out at Christmas, we really focus on the child. Now we realize that this child was born for us, 
but within a particular context, a context which involved and included a family. Today, indeed, is the Feast of the Holy Family, and we start looking at the meaning of this word, and most especially look in ways in which we can take it and make it our own. So, what happens? First of all, we see that in the incarnation, by becoming a child, by entering into our life, God is changing the way He wants to relate to us, and He wants to change the way we think about ourselves and we think about each other. Because of the incarnation, God now relates to us in terms of, with words of family and relationships, right? Because of Jesus, we call God Father. He is identified as the Son. And because we all call God Father, and there is only one Father, how do we call each other? How do we usually identify each other as members of God's family, brothers and sisters, right? <coughs> Excuse me. You see, things have changed, and they have changed because of what happened. And therefore, we enter into this reality knowing that we are called, really, to convert, to understand that in being born for us, we are now have the opportunity to be part of God's family. And that happens at baptism, when God adopts us, all of us, and he says, you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. So, okay, so we are part of God's family, not because of something we do, not because of marriage, but because he loves us so much. And that happens begins over there. And therefore, families become incredibly important because they regulate the way we relate to each other and to God. But what makes a family a family? Of course, nowadays, the word family, the concept of family, is being challenged. And we are, in a way, invited to stretch again the meaning of the word family in order to include new experiences. Certainly, we experience family, and we use the word family for the quote-unquote traditional family, mom and dad and children, and maybe a pet. Then we have different types of family, like single-parent family. We also have same-sex families. We have families of all kinds, and my favorite use of the word family is parish family, right? There is this different understanding that a group of people are relating to each other in a particular way. That's the most basic understanding of what family is, all right? But why is it that on this day in which we celebrate the Holy Family, we get that very difficult passage of the Gospel filled with darkness and violence? Joseph and Mary had to take Jesus and leave their own country, their own area, in order to go elsewhere because they had to defend Jesus. They had to defend their own identity as a family. Well, because it happened. Because that particular family lived in a particular context. And we see that they had to respond. So there is a lot of conversation about out there in the media. Where the, was the Holy Family a refugee family? They have experienced that. 
the word refugee means to go out of one place to find refuge. That's the word refugee. So they did. They left the area. They went to Egypt because of danger. They found refuge and they came back. Clear? There's a lot of chatter out there on the media. I don't know. Let's, if we take all the lab layers of politics and things, we realize that words mean something and we have to go back to the meaning of words. But the whole thing started with people looking for Jesus. That's how the gospel tells us that both the Magi and Herod, King Herod, were looking for the child. The Magi looked for Jesus to worship him, to adore him, to respect him. King Herod was looking for Jesus to destroy him. Why? He could not imagine a world where he was not at the center. And now that the Magi came and they told him that the newborn king of the Jews was born, well, he was slightly preoccupied, wouldn't you think? How many kings there can be in a kingdom? One. And if the old man said, if there is a new one, I'm, I'm about to be kicked out. So he, did, he took the first step and he began to kill, as we probably saw in the movie, it's in the book as well, that he killed all the children two years and uh, younger. He even went all the way to kill his own children, except one. He had four children, three died. Yeah, good King Herod. But he could not imagine the fact that somebody could take his place. Why do we look for Jesus? Do we look for Jesus? And how do we look for Jesus? I remember growing up, have you ever seen a Neapolitan nativity set? And if you have not had this experience, uh, search it on the internet and look at videos because they are unique. In Naples, the area where I was born, Naples, Italy, not Florida, Naples, Italy, uh, we have this tradition that the nativity sets are incredibly large. They take the whole room, and if you go to some churches, some parishes, they even go from room to room. I mean, it's, they're, they're, it's humongous. They, are, they start in the summer to put it up. But the idea is that the whole scene, it's a town, it's a village, and they have to recreate this village. And you see the butcher working, and there is another character doing. But then you have to look for Jesus. You have to look for the Holy Family, because every year it's going to change place. And I remember growing up, this, there was this experience of looking as everybody was doing their job. There was something special happening. But we can also look for Jesus like we look for Waldo, right? You look at the picture, found it, turn the page. Or we're looking for him because we want to learn how to live our life as children of God. So why are you looking for Jesus if you're looking for him? We look at the manger and as the opening prayer tells us, we want to imitate their virtue as family. Well, what does that mean? How can we learn from them to increase our family life and even increase our understanding of what it means to be part of a parish family? First of all, let me tell you something. The word family has an interesting story. Have you ever wondered where, where the word is coming from? Words have histories, right? They have their own life. The word family comes from the Latin, fam, the, 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 the root word is famulus. Famulus is a servant of a household. And therefore, the group of servants of the household was identified as a family. Then later on, it was identified 
to, uh, to identify a group of people that have a common ancestor. And now it's even identified as group of people who have something in common. We also use the word family for in science or in biology, right? We, we are, certain things have belonged to the family of. So they have a common thing. But the word, the basic word is about serving another person. Being there for the well-being of another. And that's what we need to reclaim as family. What's the difference between a group of people who are in the same house, roommating, and a family? The relationship. The dynamics of the people in the same house, in the same building, is different. Because in a family, everybody is there to help the other person. Growing up, I could not understand that. Why did I have to have chores? Wasn't that a privilege just for my parents to have me there? <laughs> You're reacting like my parents reacted when I told them. All right. But the idea, the fact that I had chores, that we all had chores, was in the fact, the symbol coming from the fact that we're all there to help the other being better. Wow. Let's find out if this is what we are supposed to do as Christians. Paul, in the second reading, tells us that what makes us who we are, Christians, and of course he took it from Jesus, who told us that, is that what bonds us together, what makes us really Christians, is not the prayers, all the other things, but first and foremost, the love that we must have for one another. So what makes us Christians? What identifies us as Christians? Love. What makes us Christian? Audience participation. Love. love. Okay, good. So Paul tells us that we have to put on love. And the verb to put on is like putting clothes. So we have to become what we are wearing. That's why we priests wear chasubles, wear vestments. If you go to a doctor's office, the doctor has a white coat. Can he, can he be a doctor without the white coat? Yes. Can I be a priest without... These facts, of course, but it means something because we are something. So we Christians are loving and lovable. Why? Because now the newborn king lives in us and he is Christ. St. Paul tells us, therefore, that the way we ought to relate to one another in a family and in the church and with other people is identified by those many wonderful characteristics. Heartfelt kindness forgiveness, gentleness, love, concrete. Love must be concrete. Isn't that true? I can tell you I love you, but if I'm not lovable and loving, do you really believe that I love you? Right after a while you go, oh, I don't know. And that's it. That's the challenge for us. Now, St. Paul tells us that the way we relate to one another, the way we build up on one another, must be done in the name of Christ. What does it mean to do something in the name of? It means to be like him. When somebody says, stop in the name of the law, what does that mean? That I'm a, a representing the law and you have to stop, right? So it's like an ambassador. You are representing the one who is sending you. So when we love and act in the name of Christ, it means that we have to be like Jesus to one another. How far do we go? 
we go to the point in which we understand that relationships based on love have to be done in a particular way. St. Paul elsewhere tells us when we relate to one another as family of, members of the family of God, we must always to consider the other more important than ourselves. What? I thought we were supposed to be assertive. We were supposed to be, you know, uh, making ourselves heard and all this stuff. Yeah, that, I don't know. But what in the family of God, we consider the other more important than ourselves. I have to consider you more important than myself. But you are considering what? Me more important than yourself. So in a family, it's the same dynamics. One has to consider the other more important, but that's not the whole thing. That person has to consider. So the husband must, be cons must consider the wife more important. The wife must consider the husband more important. And just the way we love each other, okay? I lift you up, you lift me up, and then I lift you up a little bit more, and I lift, you, you understand? And we find each other in heaven. How do we get there? By helping each other up. So you see that part of the readings that is very difficult because we don't understand it. When St. Paul says, wife, be submitted to your husband, we go, boo. And it's true, that verse has been abused in so many ways. But what Paul is saying is, consider the other more important than yourself. Because he says, wife, submit yourself to the husband, okay? Why is the wife supposed to submit? So that the husband can be lifted up. But then what does he say? Paul said, husband, love your wife so that they can be lifted up. And husband and wife are supposed to love the children by not putting too much on them. And children are supposed to obey the parents. So understand, it's one lifting the other up. It's not at all oppressive, but everything is very uplifting. If we understand that we need each other, to be the children of God. Did I confuse you? Because I usually do that, I know. But the idea is this, that once we understand the bottom line, we understand what the role, we, the role that we have in our relationships and how our family life can be renewed and so the parish. When we understand the other is more important and together as a family, as your own family unit, as a parish family, we must do whatever we can to protect Jesus who lives in our midst. And the only way of doing it is by loving one another as Christ loved us. The more we do that, the more Jesus can continue to do what he does best, leading us to the Father. Oh, that's good news, don't you think? So let's renew ourselves. This week, let's bring to the altar our willingness to live as children of God and start thinking about the many new ways in which we can lift each other up. Very soon, it will be the beginning of a whole new year, and that means that we are going to have 365 opportunities to lift each other up as a family of God. That's a big challenge, isn't it? Are you ready to take it? Your enthusiasm is... Contagious. All right. But only in this way, hopefully, we help each other. And in this way, we can witness to all people that true, Jesus Christ is born for us. And because he leads us to the Father, the Father's love truly changes our life 
because he made us members of his family. And I hope and pray that you will grow in the awareness that you are a member of God's family as a gift. He uh, allowed you to be part of his family and uh, that you think more and more about what role can you play in this family, in your parish, in the community, so that indeed we may all grow stronger and witness to people that God's love changes truly our lives. I wish you well, and I'll talk to you soon, and uh, God bless. Bye-bye.